Hey guys, and welcome to part 2 of episode 19. If you didn't see part 1, it was released earlier this week. I highly recommend you go watch that one first. But without further ado, here's the second part. So, I'm going to push us through to the next thing on our outline. And Elliot, you asked about this before we hit record. I have horns, and that is the only thing in this bullet point. And I would like to get on my soapbox here for a second. Sit back, get a get a sip of your tea if you if you got it. All right. If they and when they ever make a screen adaptation of The Way of Kings, I really want them to lean into this idea of battle horns. In Are the... you talking about musical instrument? Yes. Horns. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Like. Like you know the Rohirrim horns when they all when they charge charge the battle and you get the goosebumps every sure, time. Sure, we you... sound the horn, we charge, yeah, exactly. or we blow the horn. The the chasm fiend is on X Y Z platform. Correct. So that that is what we've seen of um of musical horns so far is that when a chasm fiend is sighted, um there there are horns and that there's there's a code that they use to to tell everybody in the war camps what plateau it's on. And then there is a second horn that they all wait for to, that like all the bridgemen listen for to see if they're actually going on the bridge run. That the, there's a horn that announces where the chasm fiend is, and then they wait for the the word of are we going or not. And that idea of being a bridgeman and anxiously waiting and dreading the sound of that horn that we're actually going on a bridge run, that that would be a huge like dread and doom motif and it could be for kaladin that he's fighting for these bridgemen and it's an uphill battle he he can't ever see a way out no matter how much he preserves their lives eventually they will die to these these bridge runs now whenever they make a screen adaptation of the way of kings I would like him to use that horn on the final assault of a bridge run, and here is why. When when Gaz yells assault on a bridge run, and they do that final approach, and that's when all the bridgemen um, die to Parshendi arrows and such, I want them to use a horn call because in this last scene, Kaladin could use that horn call to call to Dalinar that he's assaulting. They specifically mention that they would have to charge the chasm and not just go back a little bit of the way to see if Dalinar could come back to them. They would have to charge the chasm to tell Dalinar that that they're coming to save him. And I think that could be a really cool thing in a movie, as if they've this this entire time you've been hearing these horns and it means the death of all of these bridgemen. And Kaladin picks this horn up and uses it as a saving call for Dalinar, as an assault call that they're assaulting the the chasm. And then when Dalinar hears them and tells his troops assault formations, he could do the same horn call back to them, that he hears them and he's running. That I've, I've always had that thought whenever I read this for the first time, that I've wanted... I've wanted horns to be in this, and uh, I, I, I really want it to happen. 
that would be super cool. I, I love that imagery. I, I thought it was funny because I also saw that on our little outline here, I saw a bullet that just said horns, and I was like, uh, we're running a little long. We'll probably just skip that. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's probably some small detail, but that's actually really cool. Um, and I'm glad you explained that a lot. And, and I, I love thinking about and, and talking about like a potential screen adaptation one day because there's a ton of awesome imagery. Total side note, but what I'd be most excited to see would be the actual shard blades. That's what I want to see in like a movie or show form yeah i i love that idea too trevor i think that's super cool and super creative a a way you could modify the the storyline a little bit to to depict something that that's maybe a little more difficult to depict in a a visual medium as opposed to the the book and I, I think it's true to what's going on in Kaladin's head too because there's even a section in here where we're in Kaladin's thoughts and he he thinks about how oh man we're about to go on another bridge run we're about to make another charge of this bridge but this one is different because I choose to make it he 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 thinks very specifically on that fact of I'm charging again probably to my likely death and all these bridgemen are charging with me but this one is different because we choose to do it Everyone before this we've been forced to. This one we choose it. You could show that with exactly what you're describing of that horn has oppressive, ominous, now you have to charge, now you're going to die. But then Kaladin goes and chooses to pick that horn up and take that on and charge us to death willingly. That could definitely be a big moment. I really like that idea. So... I guess moving moving forward here, I I wanna kind of take the reins because my word for to sum up all of this for Kaladin was protective, and here in this chapter we really see that come into fruition. Kind of at the point, at the pinnacle there, and two major events happen. One is we we see kind of a reentry of the side carry, which they learned a while back. Um, which we haven't, it was kind of in there. They learned that, and it was a very effective new strategy for them to save Bridgman lives. And it had its uh, ups and downs yes. there uh, <laughs> back uh, previously in the story. But here, they're kind of ambushed by archers in, in, in a real dire strait, and Kaladin calls for that, and there's a really cool callback where they kind of seamlessly do it. Um and save save a lot of lives there. Um, so I thought that was really cool. But also, I think the coolest part, though, uh, is with Kaladin basically sucking in a ton of stormlight. Also, side note on this, with the fight going on and Kaladin now being a surge binder, I thought it was super, super cool that Kaladin is able to take the stormlight from the Parshendi's beards mm, with the gemstones yep. they have in their beards. Whenever that started happening, I thought that was just so cool, and I was super excited. But that that's, I guess, a little later on. Anyways, he sucks up a ton of Stormlight and has this shield and is out in front of his bridge crew and just imbues his shield to the max, I guess. There's a lot of passion and integrity there. You can kind of feel it. And he just soaks up hundreds of arrows 
and I feel like that was a really pinnacle moment of him protecting his bridge crew, and that was a super awesome moment. It even said like he was being forced backwards, like it was literally pushing his entire body backwards, taking all these arrow hits. Some even go through and like are sticking out of his arm afterwards. He's like, okay, all right, let's move on. <laughs> no big deal. Um, but I thought that was a really awesome moment. I was actually curious, Elliot. I know you always seem to know this and look back. Do you remember? Do you know what what kind of lashing was used there for the the shield? Because I don't I don't actually remember. I did I did write in my notes that I think this is another reverse lashing. So we we talked before. My theory was that he's performing a reverse lashing when the arrows like miss him but hit the bridge around him because he's he's in contact with that wood he's in unintentionally imbuing it with a reverse lashing the arrows are pulled to the bridge and not to him i think this is just another example of that just to the max he's imbued his shield with this reverse lashing it becomes essentially a huge magnet and it pulls this huge cloud of arrows that are coming at him all into one massive impact that yeah sends him like i imagine him like tumbling head over heels and then picking himself up and you know his shield he can't even pick up the shield it's got so many arrows in it that's my guess i just got a mental image of cartoon kaladin going and like <laughs> basically <laughs> yes carving like a big you know rut in the rock yeah. like as he's going yeah i have the cartoon image of his feet just sliding directly backwards and kind mm-hmm. of digging little ruts like along the way you know <laughs> Very cool. That's the anime version of the of the book. Yes. <laughs> I guess so. Alright, so very quickly after um he uses his reverse lashing on his shield to have all the arrows stick into the shield, not him. The Parshendi that saw this have a very interesting reaction and they run away. Any any thoughts on this? I do have thoughts. And on a similar note, they have a, a phrase that they say when this happens. And I didn't actually bookmark it, so I... Neshua Kadal is what they call yes. him. Yes. And then that gets thrown out again later in one of the later chapters as well. And I don't know if that, or if that's some kind of a phrase, or I don't, I don't really know what that could be. I think it could be a lot of things, but they say it specifically in where Kaladin performs some kind of big stormlight imbued ability. And my theory on this is, I'm not quite sure what they're, not quite sure if they're running away because they're just strictly afraid of what he's doing, or perhaps this maybe has bigger implications. Like maybe they're familiar with a surge binder and they know what these abilities are. And that's why maybe they have this phrase for it. Maybe Neshua Kadal, their term for surge binder or something like that. And they know what this is. Maybe they've seen these abilities before. Maybe. I don't know if I'm fully behind this theory, a tie and a thought to some of my previous theory, my, my, my biggest running theory right now is that the Parshendi are being controlled by someone. They're being manipulated or used to fight the Alethi for a, a bigger agenda. What if that person is a surge binder? What if that person holds so much power over them, can control them because he is a 
a surge binder. And what if that's why they're so afraid of Kaladin because they see those abilities in him and they're terrified of it because they've been, maybe those same abilities are being used to threaten them into obedience. That I don't know. I don't know if I'm fully behind that theory as, as so much as to say, I think that's what's going on, but maybe, maybe. If you, if you remember back to the prologue, Zeth is with the Parshendi, and the Parshendi right. take credit for Gavilar's death. That's the whole reason why we're here in the first place. True. So they certainly have seen a a Searchbinder shard bearer before. Yeah, lots lots of possibilities there, and I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what to think of it. I mean, if they were super familiar with surge binding abilities, I think they would immediately recognize that they into into battle wearing stormlight i think they would know that kaladin is going to use that they figured that out pretty quickly actually that's noted in the in the section kaladin starts to pull stormlight out of their their beards and and they realize that so they start to take them off before they they charge into battle but i think if they were like really familiar with sir would have known that already so i don't know i don't i really don't know this is one of my biggest questions right now. Well, with the Parshendi, like you said, they know something's up, at least with Kaladins. You know, yeah. at, at, at a bare minimum, they're like, whoa, this guy is crazy strong. That's scary. Let's get out of here. You know, that's at a bare minimum. Um, likely, they like, like Trevor said, they've seen a Surge Binder before. They know that this is some kind of crazy power that that they're at least intimidated by um and it's i guess there's there's two two parts to my thought here first of which what i'm really curious about is shen our our little uh parshendi bridgeman he's been left behind because you know the whole desecrating of Parshendi bodies is not what um, he should be seeing. It's not very good for his mental health there. And right. so I feel like that has to become a much bigger thing. I, I, I'm i struggling to believe that they would have had him join this bridge crew. And then he hasn't played that big of a part. He's been fine. He was a bridgeman. Um, but I feel like there's something bigger here or maybe we'll learn more from him but i am very curious about the parshendi and this i don't remember exactly what it was but neshua kadal this phrase for kaladin i feel like that's something specific to him maybe part with his surge binding ability and part with his tactics which they very much hate um isn't it that they begin singing a separate song for him and and things like that they mm -hmm. they cannot stand him yep um and yeah and they seem frightened it's a mixture of like fear and hatred almost um i don't know it's a big question mark in my mind i don't really think that they're being controlled as a group right now but i don't know what what's up with them i feel like they're a lot smarter than we think or than the book portrays them to be intentionally, but I really don't know. 
kind of shifting gears here. And this is this is in tune with the book. Through all of this, this huge action chapter, we get a flashback segment. We get a flashback segment to Tien's death. And this isn't a big revelation. We know that Tien's dead. And we we know that young Kaladin, Tien was alive. Tien joins the army. Push forward four years later, Tien's been dead for a while. And Kaladin's trying to cope. But in the midst of this entire battle, we get a we get a Kaladin flashback segment. Do you guys have any thoughts on why this is here? Why is Tien's death scene in this chapter? I definitely think that this is the, if not the pinnacle moment, then leading up to the pinnacle moment of this book for Kaladin. And so I think it brings us out as the final flashback moment to show what's fueling Kaladin and what has strongly affected him in the past. And so I think it shows what actually happened at Tien's death here at this pinnacle moment, you know, to kind of top it all off. I think it's simply like the escalation, that top point. I think that's why it's here. Yeah, I think my thoughts on this on this are similar to yours, Paul. I I'm thinking about it from a from a writer's perspective, from a plotting perspective of I think I think the author needed us to hit the the climax of Kaladin's current Kaladin and and stories at the same time. Otherwise one would have probably overshadowed the other. If we if we hit the big the big epic moment of Kaladin up and unlocking his new abilities and and saving the day and then we have to go on in a later chapter and experience Tien's death I think that would have been a little harder to process as a reader and so putting it here allows us to kind of process them both at the same time although I was a little frustrated when we broke for a, a flashback because it was right at the pinnacle of I knew we were headed for an epic moment for Kaladin and when I saw the break for the the flashback I was like no no you can't stop there like I, I gotta know what's gonna happen. Don't take me back. I wanna, I wanna see. I wanna keep going with, with where where Kaladin was at. So it was the, it was an emotional little break for me in the storyline. But I, I think it works well, and I think it does parallel the argument or the, the dilemma that Kaladin is facing in that in that moment pretty well. This is another one of those moments. There's definitely a lot of them in this segment, of excellent movie adaptation moments oh, this yeah. would be i think feel like this would be very fluid to actually have that progression happen yeah. in real time where it shows him kind of zoning into this battle and then it kind of like zooms in you know and then it has this flashback with tian and you can really get a feel it's really that hard heartfelt emotion for kaladin and and T in there, and then going into the battle and seeing that raw motion that, that kind of fuels him. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do want to stop on Tien's, Tien's flashback scene for a little bit here. Um, Kaladin mentions that 
he almost wishes he hadn't gone looking for Tien. Tien, Kaladin is fighting in Amram's army, and Tien is still alive. He's in the same army as Kaladin. They're losing the battle. They're on this hill, and Kaladin abandons his post and runs to the other side of the hill to make sure Tien is still alive. And he he gets there just in time to watch Tien get cut down by a light eyes. And I'm curious, what if you guys were in Kaladin's place, would you have wanted to go look for Tien or not? If if Kaladin is asking himself this question, or Kaladin is having this debate of, I part of me didn't want to be there for that. I that was so painful for me. I I shouldn't I shouldn't be there. There wasn't anything I could do. I shouldn't like I shouldn't go looking for him. If it were you, would you have wanted to go looking for him? Easy. I would have just not lost the battle. I mean, I would have just <laughs> problem won. solved. Yeah, I would have just won. You know. Mm. No, that's a really hard question. In all honesty, and let me let me phrase it this way: with while you're still thinking about this, from Tien's perspective, is it better for Tien that he sees Kaladin there with him at the end? Well, that that your second question depends on how you view the the afterlife, if you will, because Tien's dead. So right. I don't know that I don't know that really cynical and terrible, but I don't know that from his perspective it matters so much because he he gets murdered. He's he's slaughtered. But he goes off to what do they call it? The sacred halls or something? The tranquiline halls. Yeah, those and, and maybe it matters there. I don't know. But going back to your first question though, from from Calvin's perspective of this, that is a really, really tough question. And it's it's notably tougher for me because I put myself in Kaladin's shoes. His little brother is, you know, in danger, uh, about to die. Does Kaladin want to be there? Well, Trevor, you are my little brother. Yes. So in that scenario, you are the one on the battlefield that I'm asking myself, do I, do I want to be there? Do I, do I want to witness that? Or do I, do I not? So, Wow, emotional question to to throw at me here in the in the midst of a already rather emotional episode for our our podcast. But I I think my answer to the question would be yes. I think I would for for no other reason than I think it gives Kaladin closure. If yes it's a painful moment, yes it has huge impacts on his struggles, his depression, all of that is very much tied into this moment here. But if he hadn't have been there, I think it would play even more terrible things on his mind of imagining even worse possible outcomes for Tien and always hating himself for not being there. And so even though he was there, even though he had to watch his little brother get slaughtered in front of his, front of his own eyes and he could do nothing, he does have closure. And he does have at least a moment that he can hold on to for Tien, whereas if he hadn't been there, he wouldn't. And I think, honestly, that would have been worse for, for Calvin. And I think if it were me, it would be worse for me. 
I, I completely agree with you that it would have been worse for Kaladin had he not been there. He would have he would have assumed that he could have helped like later on when he figured out that Tian died, he would have assumed that if he had been there, he could have saved him. And he would never forgive himself for that ever. That I exactly. I should have been there, I should have been with him. Screw my post, I'm just gonna go find Tian and protect him, like I said I would. But he does do that. He gets stabbed in the leg, he can't he can't move, and he knows deep down that he can't save him. So Yes, I completely agree with you that from Kaladin's perspective and from Kaladin's character, that it was a good thing that he went to go look for Tian. Paul, what do you think? Would you rather would you rather be there or no? I I, I am in line, and from Tian's perspective, so you mentioned about Tian and the afterlife and stuff, but whenever you as far as I can suppose, whenever you die and whenever you, especially with family, like you don't want to be alone. You know, you want to be with those that you care for and those who care for you. Right. And so I do think it's very important that Kaladin was there because albeit quick, um, you know, just knowing that, that they were there for you is, is really important. Um, and so I, I do think that was a good thing and that it was better that Kaladin went to go try and see rather than just stay at his post. So with the question of would I do it or would I do the same as Kaladin here, I would definitely say that I should or that I would. Um, it's a difficult thing, but there's definitely... A greater peace of mind in knowing that you did what could be done you did what you can do in that situation i definitely think that i would have left my post to to go help my little brother i i don't actually have a little brother so <laughs> it's hypothetical for me right um, you can borrow mine okay yeah <laughs> perfect yeah i was gonna say trevor's probably just asking to you know, Elliot. Elliot can't to boost my that, ego. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so here's why I asked the question. Because for me, personally, not knowing the outcome like Kaladin doesn't, I wouldn't want to go to go searching for him because I would be afraid of what I would see. I would like sure. I want to know he's safe and everything, but. I want to trust that he will be okay and me being there isn't going to I I don't think me being there would help if he's if he would survive or not or what have you I don't think I would want to be there to see it Is that selfish? Yes. Uh but I I don't think I would want to see it. I, I got to say that it does it does really hurt Kaladin to have that image in his in his mind. And we've seen this multiple times with not just Tien but all of the other people in his life that he's seen around him die and how that kind of wrecks him. That yeah. that really takes him to a dark place. He's had so many people some really close to him, some not quite so much, other people that he's tried to help 
and failed. And if he if he had he maybe that wouldn't plague him as much as it as much as it does. So maybe there is something to be said for for your approach. All right, now that we've got that out of the way, <laughs> Whew, let's uh, liven the mood a little bit here. We'll listen up. Um, we after the death of Tien, we snap back to the to the action scene that you were you were so frustrated to be t- taken away from Elliot, and Kaladin finds the strength to charge the bridge, and he says a couple words at, as he jumps over the chasm. Um, we want to move on to the second ideal of the Knights Radiant. I I thought this was I thought this was super cool. How Sill tells him a couple times as he's leading up to this charge, the words remember the words or or say the words. And I was kind of confused by that. Like, what are you talking about, Sill? What is what are you what are you referring to? And then Kaladin out on the bridge the bridge hasn't even made it across the chasm yet there's still a huge gap and he launches himself across the chasm which when he did that by the way that reminded me back to dalinar and adolin doing that in their charges where they leap the chasms first and then you know secure the landing so that the bridges can come behind them kaladin's doing that exact same thing here he's leaping across the chasm sending the parshendi flying and when he lands, that's when he says the words, the second ideal of the of the Knights Radiant. I didn't actually write it down in my notes. Do you have it? What is the actual words of it? Shoot, you're putting me on the spot. It's um But you have this memorized. I I, I do. It's <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm not accidentally saying like the fourth one from a later book. <laughs> like uh I can find it in a second here. Wow, I got it. Expert really isn't that much of an expert, is he? <laughs> book good. flipping i'm i'm there so he so he launches across the chasm he lands on the other side and then he says i will protect those tech themselves and somehow he knows those words without ever being told them which that actually got me scratching my head at first because i read those words and they sounded so familiar i thought oh surely we've we've seen that before we've we've seen the life before death strength before weakness journey before destination all the discussion that like teft gave us surely that was all in there but i I went flipping back through the different chapters and not in any of those sections at least not word for word kind of the the concept of it the the protecting those that are weaker that is is definitely talked about but not these exact words them themselves and so something or someone has fed these words into kalan's brain but when he says the words, a shockwave like, emits from him. A great crack shook the air like an enormous clap of thunder. And it sends the Parshendi like, flying back. And from this point on, it's like Kaladin has leveled up. He's, yep. he's unlocked a new, a new ability. And Stormlight works better for them. He's even more powerful. He's even more quick. He's even more deadly than he was before we've used this word too many times already but cool moment very cool moment and people noticed 
uh the yes. entire bridge crew notices the crack and kaladin literally glowing at, in broad daylight and actually we'll talk about it a little bit later but dalinar notices it as well he's a little he's a little groggy at the at the time so maybe he's not trusting his eyes but parshendi bridge four and dalinar all have seen kaladin glowing within the span of about 20 minutes so the secret's out um as far as bridge four is concerned we don't really talk to the parshendi that much and maybe dalinar will doubt what he's seen but bridge four have definitely noticed something is something has changed I love how Moash, of all people, with the understatement of the year, he's like, uh, something just changed. Yep. It's like, yeah, something really just changed. So, uh, spoiler alert, they survived the battle, and uh, moving forward, how do you think Bridge 4 is going to react to, uh, to Kaladin? Well, he's on a whole new level now. I think there's there's no more hiding it. He's he's up until this point been very careful on the battlefield to make sure he didn't glow and so that no one really knew where he was getting his powers. I think Teft maybe was the only one. Maybe I guess Lopin. Teft and Lopin, Lopin yep. saw, him, saw him do it. So beyond those two, not very many people knew he had this ability. Yeah, now everybody knows that Kaladin's wielding magic powers. So there's no way they, they're not going to treat him differently. Everyone's going to treat him differently. I bet. Elliot, on the time on the uh, outline here, you said that Tef seemed to indicate that ideals beyond the first were unique. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to ask about this? I do. I do because in that chapter, I don't remember which one it was. It, it's a few chapters ago now. Tef gave us a little more information about the Knights Radiant, about the ideals were immortal words he he called them and i i enjoyed learning a little bit about that i want to learn more and i thought back to that as we read this because there's a bit in there that he talks about the first ideal of the knight's radiant and we've we've talked about that before and he says that that one was the same for all of the orders we we know that there are different radiant 10 10 10. total i think it said yep but he specifically then says the other he said there were four more and all of those were to the different orders is how he describes it. So if that's true, if I'm following this logic correctly, I'm now left with kind of this question of, okay, spoke the second ideal, but if the ideals two through five, if you will, are unique to the different orders, which, which order, the ideal of which order did Kaladin just use? Or was it specific to an order? Is there like a certain order of Knights Radiant that he's now progressing leveling up in if you will my video game sense is is coming out here but uh i i don't know i'm i'm curious if reading into this wrong or if this will be important later on that he's used the second ideal of a specific order and what implications that may have so here's what i'll say for now um yes after the first ideal they do change for each order so yes kaladin has just used the sorting hat and sorted himself into one of the one of the orders he doesn't know which one though 
So he was told he was told the words to one of the specific orders. He said them. He is now in it, but he doesn't know which one. What I'm super curious about, I just thought about this. I want to know... Okay, so we've been thinking about Kaladin and Zeth, right? We've been thinking about how they seem similar. Like, they're both the only surge binders that we know of right now. Mm -hmm. We we guess that maybe... Uh, maybe Zeth has an honor sprint or something like that. That's all unknown to us right now. But we know that there's this incredible bond with his oath stone. And now, I didn't actually know this before we y'all just started talking about it. I did not remember that about the words being different from each order. But I'm wondering if I want to keep a keen eye on Zeth chapters and see if there's any mention of this, which would sort him into a group. And I'm wondering if maybe there's like one surge binder per order or whatever. And I think that would be really interesting. Or if there's anything like that. Okay. Maybe if maybe each surge binder is like a representative or something like that. I feel I feel like that would be cool. Yeah. Um, cool moment. Um, that's just something that I want to think of because if he knew this instinctively, maybe Zeth instinctively knows this for his. If that that's kind of a theory, um, maybe that's unimportant altogether, but it just popped into my mind, and I'm really curious now. I like those thoughts. I really do. That that brings up even even more questions. I guess I've I never actually stopped to consider: were all of the knights radiant in the past surge binders, or only some of them? Or I'm not sure. I'm curious. We right. just need another Seth chapter, or at least a good one that gives us some info. But yeah. Elliot, you have a, a theory bullet point. Do you want to talk about this one? Ooh, yes, I do. So, in this section here, we get emphasis on the words. It comes from Syl. It comes from this voice in Kaladin's head, or maybe it's his it's kind of, you know, just innately he knows the words. But when I when I read the words, it reminded me of something, an unanswered question that we have, and that goes all the way back to the prologue and the last dying words of Gavilar. And if you if you go back and you read those words that he actually says to Zeth after Zeth has just killed him, he says, tell them to find the most important words a man can say. And we've, we've wondered what those might be. I've theorized in the past that maybe Yasna is looking for the answer to that, perhaps in the, the Palinaeum at Carbranth. Uh, maybe, maybe it's in the Way of Kings. Maybe it's something in there. I've thought maybe... If it wasn't the Way of Kings, they'd probably have found it by now, would be my would be my guess. Dalinar studied the Way of Kings pretty closely. He would learn that, and he knows Gavilar's last words. He's on the lookout for those. But what if Gavilar is trying to point them to the ideals of the Knights Radiant here? We just saw Kaladin speak some rather important words and unlock some pretty incredible abilities by doing so. 
maybe Gavilar was trying to point them in this direction. I don't know why Gavilar would know about this. I don't know how Gavilar would have learned about this. Maybe Gavilar had spoken these words and unlocked some of those abilities for himself. I really don't know, but it made me think back to that, and maybe these are related somehow. Maybe that's why the Parshendi killed him, because he already said the words. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Paul, any, I see you stewing over there. I'm stewing real good. <laughs> um. But before you jump in, Paul, there's also, though, that, remember, that dark sphere in this whole equation. Zeth took that dark sphere off of Gavilar, or Gavilar gives it to him or something like that. And I think we've learned that Zeth has hidden it somewhere. He's hidden it somewhere in Roshar. He knows where it is. He doesn't want anyone else to learn. So I don't know how that fits into this equation and the words or how that all fits together, but I don't, these may not even be related. I may be headed down the wrong path here, but this is where my mind is going. I'll be honest. I'm not happy you brought up the dark because... <laughs> I feel like I was not figuring this out, but on it, hot on, hot chasing, I can't speak, hot on its tail, you know? I feel like um, there's just kind of this, these puzzle pieces we need to connect what's going on with Kaladin to what's going on with Zeph and, and figure this out. And the Dark Sphere just is an entirely different thing that I feel like has no real relation to this as far as I can see. So I don't I know. I don't know. I don't know about that at all. So that's just a big thing over here that I'm not going to think about right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, I have no clue with the Dark Sphere. I, the words thing, this whole emphasis with Gavilar's last words, finding the most important words a man can say, and these words with the Knight's Radiance, the ideals is kind of coming together and that's starting to make sense. And like you're saying, Kaladin says that says this instinctively and it unlocks this power and he really just goes ham on the Parshendi, but the dark sphere, we're just going to forget about that for now. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it doesn't fit, throw it out. I think it's mm -hmm. a funny thing that you guys keep bringing that up, the dark sphere up because that is one of the details that you are supposed to forget about on your first read. But both of you are like, no, this means something. I, I determined that this means something. <laughs> I think I think it's funny that you both keep talking about it. Yeah, there's no I, way it doesn't mean something. There's literally no way. It means something. We will find the answer. Yes. We will. All righty. We've been going a little bit long, so it's time to speed run chapter 68 with with me gentlemen all right so um kaladin has leveled up as you've said he is in level two of knight's radiant <laughs> and Surge binding yes yeah. and he starts defending the bridge that they've just laid um solo his bridgemen come in to to help him and dalinar and adolin reach him uh, that they they break through the Parshendi, they they are running through. We'll talk we'll talk more about Dalinar and Adolin next week, but they finally break through, and none of the Alethi are retreating because Dalinar gets engaged by a Parshendi shard bearer at the at the very last second, and he he like challenges him and 
Dalinar's fighting with this shard bearer, and none of the Alethi are retreating until Kaladin is gets a hold of Adolin and says, "Yo, I'm t I'm sick and tired of fighting here and being here for you. It is time to go." And Adolin, Adolin's like, "Dude, who are you to talk to me? I'm Adolin Colin, and I'm gonna stay here till my father's here." Uh, and Kaladin replies to him, he's like, no, you're going to retreat right now because I told you so. And then Adolin just like storms off in a huff and it's like, uh, fine. Yeah. It's like, all right, fine. You're right. I'm going to go. And it's, it, I, I, both of them are, you know, exhausted. And I totally like, it, it's totally understandable writing here, but I think it's just kind of funny that Adolin's just all in a huff that, that Kaladin's told him off on the battlefield it's a lot of big personalities there yep and oh man i plan to dive into it a little more whenever we look into the delinor side of this uh, but i'm really excited to see these storylines are really coming together here and and it's a huge moment especially in chapter 69 there um we've been yeah, waiting that, for this for a long time that was an awesome moment and really funny, like you were saying. Uh, some just random bridgeman runs in and is like, "Hey, Adolin, like, get out of here!" And he's like, "Excuse me, like, yep, who invited you? Like, right, exactly you know here." <laughs> um, I I also think that it's really funny that he gives this random soldier a field commission. Promotion. Yeah, like, yeah, you're promoted, yeah. and the the little <laughs> lieutenant guy's just like, wait what who are you <laughs> who are you yeah uh, he's Callan's just like it literally doesn't matter you've been promoted get people across the bridge he's like okay that actually was hilarious i loved that so much like he's like can you do that like are you allowed to promote me and stuff that's yeah. effectively what he's thinking me and and i thought that was hilarious um <laughs> And, and he, that was that was actually one of my favorite moments from this chapter. And Kaladin is stepping way above his his class, oh, if yeah. you will, at this point. I mean, oh, he gives yeah. orders to Elite Eyes. He gives orders to Adolin Colin. He gives orders to Dalinar Colin. Yep. Straight up, no, you are coming with me. We are leaving this battlefield right now. <laughs> like, my eyes got big. Yeah. Whoa. He, but he talks back to Dalinar. He's like, "No, get on your horse. We are yeah. leaving." And Dalinar's exactly. like, "Okay." <laughs> he's yeah. all, he's like, "Okay, let's but go." I noted that that's that is exactly what this army needed in that moment. They've just given it their all to get through the Parshendi army. They are exhausted. They are on the point of just laying down and dying because they're so spent. What they need in this moment is someone to just step up and take command. And it doesn't, it, it's not so important who that person is, but just that someone does it and grabs them, you know, by their, by their collar and says, you get across that bridge now. And I think Kaladin saves a lot of lives by doing this. Yep. He's stepping way out of line, but by doing so, he saves a lot of people, Adolin and Dalinar included, by just, galvanizing them and getting them to to get up 
and make that last step across that bridge to to save their lives. So this was really important that he does this. And I think Dalinar and Adolin realized this. I think later on, I was kind of waiting for a moment where one of them would call him out. Well, we'll talk about this more next week, I'm sure. But I was waiting for them to say, and by the way, who are you to give us orders back there? Right. But they never do. I think they, I think they realized that that was exactly what we needed in that moment. So we're going to kind of, we're going to not necessarily pretend that didn't happen, but we're going to allow that. We're going to say, we're not going to call you out or punish you or say, Hey, that was out of line because you saved our lives. And that was cool. Cool moment. That's our tagline for this. Yeah. Saved our lives. That was cool of you. I'll I'll title the entire episode cool moments. And that'll be, that'll be our title. (laughs) All righty. Any closing thoughts on Kaladin in his, uh, uh, epitome chapters here epitome yes um <laughs> i said it right didn't i well epitome's a I, word i always say epitome but i've been corrected many times to epitome is a epitome not a word it's not it's spelt like epitome so i always say that but it is epitome pretty sure paul's right here i thought they were two different words my my apologies Yes, I I promise I've been around the block with that one. I used to say epitome all the time. Um, but well, my my closing thoughts on this are that this really is the like closing thoughts chapters for Kaladin, at least right now. It, it really brought everything that we've experienced so far to one point, and and it was really cool. It was great, and that's why we've been talking about it for like an hour and a half almost and a half um yeah yep. <laughs> um to, to those of you a... to those of you panicking we are talking about chapter 69 next week so we're, we're not skipping it don't worry we'll get there yes we'll definitely get there um but yeah it really brought everything into fruition i think that's why we ended up talking so long is because there was basically everything that's been a major point of kaladin's storyline really came out here with lots of future stuff as well yeah even even very small details like minutia down to the side carry it all comes to a payoff in these chapters and it's so it's so good Alrighty, i will close us here thanks for joining me elliot and paul we'll talk about dalinar's side next week cannot wait see you then